Thank you all for tuning in to the 319th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. On Main Street, can't tell you guys what number on Main Street, because Mama Lane would be upset, but uh, on Main Street... Gonna have a great podcast for all you guys. Going to have Kenny Sim on, scouting expert for 247 Sports. We are going to uh, talk about a lot of things, actually. We get into NFC Power Rankings, uh, so we're going to do that towards the end of the pod. Also, what we're going to do as well is we're going to get into the rookie quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. We're going to get into all of them, and also we're going to talk about Young quarterbacks and contract extensions. Josh Allen, my guy, Big Blue, number 17, the man with the plan. He's from Wyoming, born in California. A physical freak, arguably, maybe one day, could be the best quarterback in the NFL. Don't judge me. Don't call me home. We're just putting it out there. We're going to talk about him. He signed his contract extension, how this affects guys like Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, um, since they were all in the same quarterback class. So going to dive into that stuff with Kenny as well. And also... Uh, I got to say this in the plug, too. Uh, check below on the description. Uh, there are timestamps. Check out the timestamps if there are certain parts that you would rather listen to as opposed to others. I do that for your guys' convenience when you're listening to me. So check out on the description below. I know on Spotify, if you click on the timestamps, time it'll go automatically to that place. Uh, so just do that if you want to listen to it. All the way through, that's even better. Uh, props to you guys. Uh, but just, you know, if you guys want to be more convenient, if there's other parts you want to hear first, uh, check out the description below and you can check out the timestamps. Now, first time listening to the podcast, thank you. Subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads or Facebook group chats, etc., etc. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lane. And Follow me on Twitter, at Nitrain underscore Lane. You didn't get that, I'll say it for you one more time. At Nitrain underscore Lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, then give me a great review and then click one, two, three, four, five stars, right? For excellent. And if you don't like my podcast, because I'm not a narcissist, right? You might not like it, right? Hope that doesn't happen. It probably won't, but that's the only odd chance it does. Uh, then don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? Mama Lane tells me this all the time. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And without ado, cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get to Kenny Sim. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports, 
Kenny, how you doing, my guy? Football season's getting closer and closer. Yeah, we're kind of in the preseason football at the barbershop, just getting ready to just, just get the, uh, got the, by far the best college football preview magazine. My guy, Phil Steele, huge amount of material in that book to go through. Between that and looking at some preseason football, a little bit of a ramp up uh, because it's kind of changed over the years. Not a lot of veterans are playing, but still watching some preseason ball. Um, kind of using this back half of August to get reacclimated get all the research done for football season and ready to rock and roll in September. So first, where I want to go with you is this. So, and we have not talked about this on the air, and I think this is an important thing to talk about. So Josh Allen, I'm happy as a Buffalo Bills fan, signs a massive extension with the Buffalo Bills. What do you think about that? What does this mean for the franchise? Well, for the Buffalo Bills, you know, it's, it, it's, it's you know, getting your franchise quarterback, knowing that you're now tied to Josh Allen for the significant future, I think through through 2028, I believe, a six-year extension. Most guaranteed money in NFL history he got. And for him, uh, it's, it's just making that commitment to Josh Allen as the franchise quarterback. Getting the deal done early, about $43 million annually. That's going to kick in about two years where you start getting significant cap hits. However, the cap will be going up at that time. But, you know, they, they made a significant, a significant investment in him about two years before he starts getting a cap hit, I think, upper 40s, I think 2024, 25, $51 million cap hit. But, you know, you got Josh Allen, though. Keeps getting better each year throughout his career. Last year, I thought he was the fifth best quarterback. I think he's a know a tier one quarterback i think he's a truck he can carry a team um but it's just a job well done identifying him in the draft trading up to get him developing him over three years and now you kind of take a look at where the bills are they're right at the top of the afc which has not happened probably since the jim kelly days and i see them you know with them gm and head coach in place they got their infrastructure to be a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender. You know, the window's open for them. And then it remains to be seen in a few years. When that cap hit goes up, they're going to have to maybe let some free agents go. They won't be able to trade for, like, a Stephon Diggs. So Josh Allen is going to have to elevate other players around him eventually in the future. But this was a long time coming, and this was something that needed to get done before the end of the season. The Bills did it. Yeah, and then they asked Josh during the offseason how he would feel about the franchise tag, and he kind of winced about it, and he was like, you know, I don't think that's really a good thing. So I'm really glad the Bills got this done. You don't want that hanging over the franchise's head, and uh, they bet on this guy, right? They, they drafted him when everybody else, and people like me were like, don't draft him. This dude's from Wyoming. He can't play. He's just a big muscle head, and he kind of proved me, and he kind of proved a lot of other people wrong. And I would say even if you look at that class, he's proven – He's probably the best quarterback in terms of both running and passing, having that combination. Uh, and, you know, we got to see what he's going to keep doing for years to come. But he's been solid. It seems he's going to be a man stay in the top five QBs in this game for a long time. Right. And I'm taking a look. So, you know, it, it, it's really going to start kicking in with that extension in 2023. 
He'll have cap hits of 39 million, 2024, 20, 41, and 51 million, um, and, and it gives the Bills a chance, you know, with with that contract being so long to rework it. And you know, as long as he's playing at a high level, which I foresee him doing, they can work with him. You know, teams have done this for years: Peyton Manning, Big Ben. You know, work around him to you know convert stuff to a signing bonus if need be to sign you know that extra player extra free agent to put them over the hump but this was a job well done and I would have to say probably wire to wire he's probably been the best quarterback in that class for the first three years after starting off uh, a little a little slow as a rookie even people want to talk about even his second year. His second year wasn't that bad. I think he was like 20 touchdowns, the nine interceptions passing. It was really a threat on the ground with his big body. He's athletic, obviously. And they got to the playoffs. Right. And then in year three, the big thing in year three was the big jump in accuracy. I think he was even uh, year two in, 2020, in about 2019. I think he was still under 60% completion right at that fringe, but... He made the major leap in year three last year. I think he was upper 60s. Really, you know, the, the, the accuracy issues did not show up a lot. Um, and, and making that huge jump in completion percentage, I think, kind of shows how he could be a complete quarterback. Do you think... I, I want to know your opinion on this. Obviously, Josh in, the Q, in this QB class... There's also guys like Lamar and Baker who have uh, not signed yet. How does the Allen deal affect both Lamar and Baker Mayfield? Well, the Bills were able to get ahead of this by being the first one done. So from the from from the team perspective, you want to be the first one to kind of set that area. But now, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, I think they're going to be asking for Josh Allen type of money and if they wait and if they have another good year both teams if they make a deep playoff run have nice seasons they might ask for more than Josh Allen money you know if one of those if Baltimore or Cleveland go to go to the Super Bowl they're going to ask for more than that so from the team's perspective I would always say if you know your quarterback to play lock him in as early as possible to get ahead of that um I don't see Lamar or Baker Mayfield getting less than Josh Allen. I think they're going to ask for the same, if not more. And from the player's perspective, if you're betting on yourself, you know, you would want to at least know kind of where those quarterbacks stand. So now you kind of know where that type of 2018 quarterback class, where that where that market is at for a quarterback. Um, and, and Josh Allen will be kind of the barometer from there right now. You got you already got Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Mahomes um, locked in at over forty million dollars. But now, from the player, they kind of know where the where where the target is. I think with all three of those quarterbacks, everyone was kind of waiting for who was going to be the first one to kind of see where they would end up landing. So I don't know if anyone's going to get that amount of guaranteed money. But the going rate they know is Josh Allen, $43 million per year. I think that would be the starting point for both of those players. 
How tricky do you think the Lamar deal becomes for the Ravens? The Lamar Jackson deal is extremely difficult because one is he doesn't have an agent. His mom's his agent. And I know... <laughs> wait, wait, Kenny, are you saying mom's? <laughs> mom's they don't... turned down help from the NFLPA to make sure they get, you know, all the resources and assistance. They've actually turned down the NFLPA. So it's going to be difficult because from... It's like going to arbitration for baseball because, you know, you don't want to take it the wrong way if the team is saying, well, I think he's worth less than this, as, as taking that as a slight that they don't believe in Lamar Jackson or that's a criticism for him. Um, and, you know, making sure that there's no, there's no trap doors for the team to get out of a contract, you know, earlier than expected. So you would like to have somebody that's done a deal like this, done, done a big deal like this, before so they can look at this contract and make sure, you know, the team can't get out of a Lamar Jackson deal earlier than the player thinks. No no trap doors, loopholes like that. But, you know, I think his is going to be a very difficult contract because this might be, at least based on maybe last year, we kind of know maybe the floor for Lamar Jackson, we kind of know the ceiling from 2019, but his, his game is going to not age well, you know, a lot of running, taking hits like that as he gets older, it's not going to age well, so you want to, so I think this is a big year for him saying, okay, you got two first round receivers on the outside, how does he do passing the football, can we get back to that 2019 level, because all his passing numbers took a big hit last year. Yeah, no, no, that's true, I, I guess here's what I'd say, I think also the issue is, I, I, I guess... You know, as Lamar goes through this, like, the best part of his game is his running. He's not going to get more athletic as he gets older. He plays a dangerous style as well. Uh, that That's, you know, not probably the best long-term with an organ, with, with this, that an organization would want. Well, let's, let's put it that way. An organization doesn't want their quarterback running it 20 times. That's something that's a regularity in their offense. Mm-hmm. So what I, I, what I have to ask you is this. How does this end up going? Because... Lamar's going to want to get paid. The Ravens are going to have some hesitancy, and rightfully so. But how does this end? I think it would end probably knowing that event, knowing that they want him to be their quarterback long term. I think eventually they would get a deal done. Probably, I would guess, in the range of slightly, yeah, probably slightly below Josh Allen. I'm thinking that's coming in about, you know, 41, 42, uh, and maybe, maybe, you know, three full years of guarantee. So they would, so they would have Lamar Jackson guaranteed for the next five years. This year and next year under the rookie deal, new extension happens for five years, knowing that, you know, Carson Wentz and John and uh, Jared Goff had two years of guaranteed when they sign. I think probably about three. Um, and that's that's what I'm guessing right now from him. So maybe like a, what, maybe like a five-year $200 million contract, 120 or so guaranteed would be my guess for what ultimately happens with him. Here's another issue I, I just thought about, Kenny, is this. 
If Lamar comes in, you just mentioned his mom's his agent. So mothers are going to fight for their kids, as they should. So here's what are the Ravens going to do when this conversation comes up? And here's what they're going to do. They're going to get very basic numbers. Here's what they're going to say. Out of all the quarterbacks in this class, there's only one MVP. That is me. Out of every single quarterback in this class, there is only one guy who has been to the playoffs every single year of his career. That is me. I don't want anything less. And in fact, I want more than both those other two guys. Yeah, in that case, you know, from the Ravens' perspective, I would say that if you look at the situation that you're in, we really built this team around you. Specifically, we want to continue the best in the offensive line. We know that we let Orlando Brown go. We're getting Ronnie Stanley back. But we were able to get Kevin Zeiger this year, we would like to keep on investing in the offensive line, having a strong offensive line. Your number one receiver is tight end Mark Andrews. We would like to keep him around, so, you know, we understand you want to be the highest paid, but is that going to preclude us from keeping Mark Andrews around for the long term? Maybe if you get take a little bit less, that's just an extra amount to help out, you know, keeping Mark Andrews, eventually maybe Hollywood Brown, and then keep having a solid defense because, you know, we like to have, you know, a, a ball-controlled offense running the football, and then we have one of the best defenses, and we and we pay both of our corners big money too. So we would like to keep on having that team, and I would say if you're able maybe to take a little bit less, yeah, you're going to be our quarterback for a long time. Maybe there's a little bit of incentives to get to the AFC Championship and Super Bowl, and we would be able to keep a team full roster, maybe it's a little bit better than Baltimore. Maybe that roster is a little bit better than Buffalo and Cleveland. If we're able to take a little bit less, maybe that extra year, we we could keep a Marlon Humphrey, a Marcus Peters, sign Mark Andrews, and kind of keep that core. So that's kind of uh, the situation that the Ravens are dealing with. And it's just a matter of the longer this waits, you know, as long as the performance doesn't drastically dip off, quarterback salaries are only going up. So this would, at worst, stay the same, about 41 42 $43 million. If anything, it goes up. You know, so, you know, I would like to try to get quarterbacks done as quickly as possible if you would like to stay long-term, because then it kind of gives you ability to see how you want to you know, build your team financially and, you know, just locking in that quarterback salary. And this is another thing I have about Lamar. You know, when we do talk about that, you know, maybe his game is his game. He's only going to get worse. You know, there is a comparison for Lamar, and I want your opinion on this. Michael Vick, right? I think we can agree he's probably better than Michael Vick, right? You'd agree with that, right, Kenny? Yeah, yeah. He's better. Vick... Had a career year at what, like thirty-two with the Eagles with Andy Reid. Right. Yeah. So I mean, Lamar's only—I mean, theoretically, if we're going to say Lamar's better than Vic, obviously Lamar does not have you know some of the issues that kind of held Michael Vick back for a long part of his career. Could he not be able to kind of do some of the same things? Because people forget he had an MVP caliber season when he came back out of prison. Those, uh, I think, like twenty ten. Right, and if he keeps developing as a passer, you know, 
you know, the four for Lamar Jackson, probably, you know, what you got passing-wise as a rookie and maybe last year would be as bad as it would be. You know, he's a little bit banged up last year, too, with an ankle. But, uh, you know, you know that's the floor that he's going to be at. And, you know, his, his peak play in the future, you would guess, would be not at that 2019 level, that undisputed MVP level, but it would be pretty close to that every single year. So based on that, you'd probably have a top, you know, five, six quarterback in football. Baker Mayfield, is this contract with the Browns tricky at all? Or is it clean-cut no, and it's going to get done? it's not tricky at all. Both sides, both sides, very friendly relationship between them right now. Both sides believe Baker Mayfield's going to be the quarterback for the long term in Cleveland. I think actually what I've been saying is I think it benefits both sides to wait on this. Uh, I think, you know, the first eight games of this year, then you would have his last eight games, or, or, or if you have the first eight games, then you have about a year and a half with Kevin Stefanski, and you just, it's just a collect that extra amount of data. And it would help, I think, both sides out. I think Baker Mayfield, if you're thinking you're going to have as good as a year as you did in the second half of last year, it would be beneficial for you to wait and bet on yourself. And then it gives the Cleveland Browns to collect data for, you know, you take the last eight games, the first eight games of this year, a full 16-game sample after last year's bye week, a year and a half total, both sides really then get a good feel for each other. And then I think after eight games would be the best time to really lock in that contract and really get the financials situated on what you want long term. If Baker Mayfield plays Rocky, how big of an issue could that be in terms of the contract? I mean, I think it would possibly wait into next year but you also have to take a look at alternatives to play at close to a top 10 level which is what he did last year how would the Browns realistically replace that with another top 10 quarterback and that's really I think the one thing with Baker Mayfield is um, the alternative. I, I, I think the one, you know, risk the Browns would have to look at is what's the alternative, and um, that would be the thing to watch out for. But you know, it would remain to be seen on how rocky would be. But I think both. But but I think having, you know, the offensive line back, full offense and coaching con- continuity back. I don't foresee choppy waters happening. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. They cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into. Some of the rookie QBs currently, because uh, some of them have been making some noise. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led his high school. 
successful with four straight state championship game appearances. Very few high major recruiters looked at the six foot tall, 180 pounder and said, quarterback. Oh, it ought to die, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. Now go strike from down at Vandy, flip to Happy Valley. Now I'm coming back and got oh. Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sim with us. So, Kenny, rookie quarterbacks we have Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mark Jones, Trey Lance, uh, Zach Wilson. All have gotten the chance to play and all have played relatively well. Now, first, I just want to ask you this as a general. How excited are you to see this rookie class? Because I think this is one of the most exciting rookie classes since the guys we were just talking about in the segment before with Lamar, Baker, Josh, Darnold, Rosen. I think the Lance, Wilson, Jones, uh, Lawrence, and Fields, I think kind of compares to that draft. Right. So, you know, you take a look at this rookie class, I think with five of them, there was a lot of buzz this preseason in week one, I think, more than in the past. Now, I don't know if that's because that there was no preseason last year, but there was a lot of buzz for week one this past weekend. I think it had a lot to do with the rookie quarterbacks. And you take a look at each one situation, I think part of the part of the aspect of why this is so tantalizing and so intriguing is they all have different situations and pros and cons with each. And, you know, I, I, I think the challenge is looking at, it's hard to say who's going to really come out and be solid. Because I can make an argument, Trevor Lawrence is the best one, however, he's in the worst situation. And Trey Lance and Matt Jones, you know, I think those two maybe needed the most work, but they're in the best situation. So you add all that up, the different styles they play with, it's very intriguing. And all of these guys had, like, we've known about Fields and Lawrence for years. Mac Jones is from Alabama, so that's a hype train in of itself. Uh, then you go to Zach Wilson, everybody's in love with Zach Wilson because he looks like a Disney character and he has these crazy arm angles that are kind of reminiscent to Mahomes and, and Rodgers, which gets people excited. And then you have Trey Lance, who's kind of like another freak of nature, who just, he's kind of like Josh Allen in the fact that, you know, played in a lesser conference, lesser competition. Josh Allen played at Wyoming. He played at um, North Dakota State. But he has these raw physical tools, these freaky tools and gifts that you look at and you're just like, wow. So all five of these, and people start talking about Trey Lance. I remember there are people telling me, uh, that that they thought Trey Lance was going to be like, he could push for the number one pick. And that's what people were saying about Trey Lance like a year out. People were like, look at this kid from North Dakota State. So I, I Trey, Trey Lance was not a guy who just came on late. People, I think, in the scouting community were aware of who Trey Lance was. So I, what I want to go to you is this. How much do you make of the success that these quarterbacks have in the preseason? How much can we take of it as, you know, fluff, easy throws, just getting their confidence up, and, okay, this is what we need from an NFL-level quarterback. I 
I think the brakes need to be pumped on all of them for looking at preseason. And I remember a couple things about preseason. Um, especially, I think, in the second. Uh, so, as it pertains to Justin Fields, since he did a lot of his really good work in the second half, is one, they're going up against guys that are not going to be on NFL rosters, beer truck drivers. Two, and this is big, is. Um, there's no game planning in the preseason. Take a look at the trends. What do you want to take away? That does not exist. You're kind of just playing, um, and that needs to be considered along with positive and negatively. Um, who who are the guys that the quarterbacks are playing with? If it's not with the number one unit, so again, you're going against guys that are probably not going to be on NFL rosters, and then you just take a look at. You just take a look at how early it is, and, you know, if you get, like, four regular season games, and then you have a chance to get some tape on a quarterback, this isn't even a regular season. This is the first game of a preseason, so this is extremely early. I know everyone's very excited, but I think breaks need to be pumped, and no big conclusion should be taken out um, either way, good or bad. Because I remember, you know, right... As soon as, after Justin Fields' game, everybody's talking about Justin Fields, and they're like, this guy's going to be a star, this guy's going to be a star. So you're saying you reject that notion? After that, yeah, considering that they're going up against third-teamers on the Dolphins, yes, and that touchdown pass he threw with a complete blown coverage. Um, and also the situation, too, because if you have a... I, I, I think the Bears' situation is very interesting because if if... The GM and head coach had some assurance from ownership that this is from the long haul. They could start Justin Fields game one and have a full 16-game season and work with him and then, you know, improve on that. If Matt Nagy has to make the playoffs this year, if that's the ultimatum, he's go- I'm, just, I'm just saying what's going to happen. He's going to go with a veteran, Andy Golden, that he knows what he's going to get at the quarterback position. He knows what they're going to get. You do not know for certain what you're going to get with Justin Fields. That's going to come into play. And it's unfortunate that that's going to happen because, you know, that's a very short-sighted approach, and that's not the best for the organization. Um, I think that's the one situation. The other four, you know, I think all the coaches and GMs, at least for this year, pretty safe, so they don't have to worry about that. But for the Bears, you got to worry about that. Are we sure that Justin Fields isn't already better than Andy Dalton? Like, who really gives them the best chance to win week one? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you want to... I, I, I think that's why you don't... I mean, you don't need to make a decision on that, but I think in the preseason, you know, it might be good to get Justin Fields a couple of series with the ones, and at least against the ones of another team, especially in that third preseason game when starters tend to play, just to see how it looks and then go from there. Justin Fields also, you know, held out to the ball a little bit long in Ohio State. I saw this past weekend, he held out to the ball 3.78 seconds. That was the longest of the quarterbacks in this class. So, you know, you would have to consider that and as he progresses throughout practice and through the next two preseason games, 
see if, if, if his process could speed up. Um, and it's just not all, it's, it's, it's just not all athletic ability and skill. So, so it's, it's just, you want to just keep on, you know, collecting all of that information as the preseason goes on for the next two weeks. Now what I want to do is this. So, we can just go by each of these quarterbacks. So, you said you got a chance to watch Mac Jones. So now to me, Mac Jones looked a lot better than Cam did. Uh, Any chance Mac Jones is the week one starter for New England? Any chance? I don't think he's going to be the week one starter. Mac Jones really played the way that you think he would play. Get to the top of the drop, back foot in the ground, stick it and plant it, and throw. And he he was able to do that. Only 19 throws, you know, that's like a the amount of throws in a half. So you're kind of thinking you're making a decision if you think about the regular season on someone's game in the first half. But 19 throws, 87 yards only, only about five yards an attempt. Um, but I think that was pretty clear on what kind of player you think you're getting Mac Jones. Now, Cam Newton, Cam Newton didn't do anything in the preseason in this past week to change your mind, good or bad, and what would be expected. I don't think he's going to start week one. I do think possibly Mac Jones plays um, from, you know, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. I think Mac Jones might end up getting on the field quicker than most people would think compared to those other three. I also heard some some rumors and scuttlebutt being kicked around that you could see a possible, you know, Bill Belichick experimenting with a possible two-quarterback situation on select plays and drives where, you know, you could bring Cam Newton in in the red zone. He adds all that power, the QB power running element, too. So, I'm interested to see what happens there. If it's a full movement to Mac Jones or you get Mac Jones in, but you keep Cam Newton in for the goal line, stuff like that. I'm interested to see how that plays out. But, um, you know, I think Mac Jones should be on his own time frame because what you saw at Cam Newton, I think you have a pretty good grasp of what you're going to get with Cam Newton. Um, You know, both good and bad. How do you think that would work if they, they they split quarterback duties between Mac Jones and Cam Newton? Would Cam Newton be okay with that? I feel like that could go wrong. Yeah, I think he would in this case because I think he understands that his best days are behind him. And, you know, he signed last year with New England on a really – for someone that's accomplished what Cam Newton has accomplished, it was really a, a pretty team-friendly deal. And – he ended up staying with New England on, you know, it's, a, it's, it's another, I think it's a one-year deal, short-term deal, not a lot of money. I think he understands that, and I think he has kind of bought into the Patriot way of that. You don't see him mouthing off criticisms that he's done in the past at press con- con- conferences. Pretty good this year, so I think he would be okay as long as everything's going fairly and transparent with the coaching staff and Cam Newton, I don't think he would make a big scene about it, especially if he sees, you know, Matt Jones throwing the ball pretty well, he would understand it. And I also think 
you know, both Cam Newton and the Patriots, um, bringing him in, you know, on goal line, you know, right outside the red zone, third down, quarterback power, you keep him in, you run those type of plays. I think it also keeps, you know, Cam Newton engaged, too, in the game plan during the week. So I don't think it would be a huge, you know, a huge controversy and, you know, bad bad publicity coming out. So next, I want to go to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had one of the more off games of all the rookie quarterbacks. Well, what did you make of that? Also, Urban Meyer is saying that there's a quarterback competition between Trevor and Gardner Minshew. You don't buy that, right, Kenny? No, and I think they should. I mean, I understand Urban Meyer wants to set a culture and have people earn their spots. However, it seems very college to me when you're doing that. It seems very college That's not how you do it in the NFL. It seems very college Yeah. Especially when, whenever you name Trevor Lawrence the starter, whenever that is, just think about all the reps that you sent Gardner Minshew that Trevor Lawrence could have taken. You know, all the reps that he could have taken with the ones, in addition to what he already had. And I think that hurts Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, I don't know how that plays in the locker room, knowing that, you know, it's, it's basically inevitable Trevor Lawrence is going to start. I think that's one aspect that, you know, was a little bit of a red flag in Urban Meyer's, you know, tenure. Now, this past weekend with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, was not a good sign that his offensive line, I mean, they were playing starting offensive line against the Cleveland Brown number two. The Cleveland Browns didn't have any starters in on defensive line. They sacked Trevor Lawrence twice. So he's going to have to overcome offensive line issues. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence was never sacked on back-to-back drives at Clemson. His first two series in the NFL, he was sacked on back-to-back drives. Um, so I think, you know, you take a look at situations that this isn't, you know, he's, he's, he's coming into a, you know, a non-ideal circumstance with offensive line play, um, you know, having to do that. And, you know, it's just not a, it's just not a good team he's on right now. Thought he held on to the ball a little bit too long, um, and and he did hold on to the ball a little too long. That long pass, nice nice completion to Marvin Jones. I think that's going to be his top target this year. Veteran receiver played with Daryl Bevel. However, there was absolutely zero pass rush. He had all day to scan the field. So, you know, I think with Trevor Lawrence, again, you want to get reps. And the more reps he gets with the ones, it's going to help him out. Not only for the first few games, but it's going to help him out throughout the year, too. So, overall, I thought it was a mixed bag with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, with his team. Um, so, I just think he needs more reps and playing time and should be okay. I, I agree with you, and I do think Urban needs to stop what he's doing. They just need to. You know, cut their losses and name Trevor the starter. He's the guy. And for them to go where they want to go this year, he's going to have to be the guy. Uh, next, I just want to go. you have any thoughts on either Trey Lance or Zach Wilson? Uh, Zach Wilson had a pretty good outing, I believe. Any thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I thought it was wire to wire, wire to wire, situation to situation, rep by rep. 
pretty clean performance from Zach Wilson overall. Pretty clean throughout the game. Went six for nine, 86 quarterback rating. Um, overall, you like, you know, got the ball out quick, different arm angles. Um, Shows some moxie. So it was a solid first start. You know, we'll have to, again, you want to, hopefully he gets the opportunity to go against the starting defense um, in the preseason. Pretty clean from there. Trey Lance, you know, I don't know if they're going to do a situation, like I said, with Matt Jones, Cam Newton, um, flip-flop the roles with, with, with Trey Lance. You bring Trey Lance in on the goal line to run, QB run and stuff like that. Now, he had an 80-yard touchdown. Very impressive. But he went 5 for 14 and took four sacks, too. He's probably going to need the most work. Um, I think over the last year, I think he's, you know, if you take a look at the last he's going 23 passes in the football game only. You know, because they didn't play last year. They only played one game. And he had this free preseason. So, you take a look at how quarterbacks develop over the year. You know, all the throws that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence got. Trey Lance had like 23 throws over the last year. Uh, but you saw the big splash plays I think he gives you that Jimmy Garoppolo does not. I still see Jimmy Garoppolo starting for a good amount of time until he maybe inevitably gets injured or there's a standstill in their quarterback play. Justin Fields, I was really impressed with Justin Fields. Started a little shaky, really came on, though. A couple of touchdowns, he showed that athletic ability, running, extending the play. Um, it's just now a matter of, you know, being behind a pretty poor offensive line. Uh, the second-round pick, Kevin Jenkins, still hasn't played yet. That, along with, you know, just getting reps in the NFL system, there was a lot of just raw talent with Justin Fields, like I said kind of the difference of quarterback play in the NFL and college football. Want to bring that 3.78 seconds it took him to throw the ball. Want to bring that down a little bit. Operate within the offense. Overall, though, really encouraging sign for Justin Fields. So, also want to see it against a starting defense um, instead of backups. But I think all in all, he did what you wanted to see from a quarterback on the first game. And Seattle Seahawks, they reached a contract extension with Jamal Adams. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, he's the highest paid safety now. Um, again, I it's you know, he's under he's he's under that twenty million dollars um, that guys around the ball get, you know, the linebackers, edge rushers. Gets two at uh two years guaranteed money, so three years total. Yeah, I think it's a fair deal for both sides. Um, he was able to get the highest paid safety in the game. They traded for him. There was no deal. He had leverage knowing that Seattle traded for him. Multiple first-round picks. They were going to have to sign him eventually. Um, you know, overall, typically don't want to pay a safety that much, but because he had nine and a half sacks last year, you could play him in multiple spots. You know, I think it's a good deal, and you know, it kind of runs along the time frame they have Russell Wilson um, over the next two or three years before you would have to probably pay DK Metcalf. Uh, so overall, I think that's a solid deal for both sides. Man, man, man. Stadium, 
Oh, we're back with Barstool Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. Now it's time, our NFC Power Rankings. So, Kenny, first of all, what I have to ask you before we start. As you were doing these Power Rankings for the NFC, was there anything in that shocked or surprised you, or did it kind of go the way you were expecting it to go? I kind of went the way I expected, I think, was probably about the first, the first two are pretty clear. You got that glut of three NFC West teams that are all contenders, and then I think once you get through that, you know, you get in the back half, right at the fringe of the playoffs, there's a lot of teams that are really the same. Didn't make the playoffs last year, um, a lot of questions, incomplete rosters, so I think there could be some deviation between, like, teams, you know... 9 through 13, uh, I think there's a lot of kind of average teams in the NFC. Maybe a little bit more variance, too, than the AFC. I, I think there's a pretty clear top two, but then where do you put all of the all the NFC West teams? Uh, any surprises? How far down do you have the top NFC East teams? Stuff like that. How do you go about making this list? I didn't ask you this for the AFC, but how do you go about it? Do you, are you kind of doing this as more of a projection, or, or is your kind of philosophy we're doing this as these teams are right now? Um, so I do it how teams are right now. You take a look at just where, you know, you take a look at the standings. You line up the standings from where they were last year. Any tweaks based on the playoff teams. And then kind of just a full process of seeing free agency what teams improve, but what teams lost some plays and kind of moved down a rung a little bit. Then you get the draft, what teams improved in the draft, any any glaring holes, you reassess then, and that pretty gives you, if, if you go off those two, you know, that gives a pretty good assessment on where teams stand right now, but it is where teams stand right now. It's not a projection, you know, where I think the NFC is going to be 1 through 16 at the end of the year. And I agree with you on that. Uh, so I'll give you the floor first. You can start at team number 16. Who do you got, Kenny? At team 16, I got the Detroit Lions. Um, again, first year GM, first year head coach, first year quarterback on this new team and Jared Goff. But, you know, both the number, uh, the top two picks in the 2016 draft were traded this year. Um, but unlike the Colts, Detroit really didn't do anything to help Jared Goff's situation. He's in a tough spot. They have, you know, the top two receivers. They got, you know, Quintus Zephus and Amaran St. Brown, just a tight end. Um, and then it's a roster with little defensive talent last year. A lot of those guys in that defense were Matt Patricia guys. That Patriots defense is really rigid to just Patriots players, so they have to change the personnel there. Did get Penny Sewell, but overall, I think this is probably about a two-year roster rebuild before 
they're starting to be able to win competitively. Um, so I have the Lions in at 16. I completely agree with you. I have the Lions at 16 as well. I think obviously trading Matthew Stafford for all the picks and capital that they did tells you where they're going. Uh, Jared Goff does not have the ability to carry a team through games and moments like a Matthew Stafford can. So just by that alone, the best they can be kind of that peak trajectory that they can have in any given game has gone down significantly. I think Jared Goff is going to probably end up being a journeyman quarterback. I think he's going to get the tar beat out of him this year. I know that Penny Sewell, he's still young. Uh, the defense isn't very good. Uh, first year coach, like you said, like we're, we're talking about the dark days. Lions fans, you might as well start putting the bags over your head again. Bag fans. The bags might have to come back. The only team that's worse than them, in my opinion, is the Houston Texans, and that's because they're a dumpster fire. So, Detroit Lions at number 16. Yeah, then at 15, 15, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Again, first-year coach. I think they have one of the worst QB rooms. Um, Jalen Hurts comes with with the limitations. I, I, I think he's going to be able to make some play with his legs, but I think in kind of a West Coast offense, they would want to try to, I think, make Jalen Hurts more of a pocket passer, and I don't think that, I, I think he's better on the run, running some RPO, stuff like that. Um, you know, defensively, from an offensive line standpoint, still got some players, but a lot of injuries last year. If they keep the lines healthy, they could sneak in a couple of more wins. But I think getting Jalen Hurts a full year, you know, I, I think he could get exposed a little bit, you know, relative to maybe having him in a short sample. And they got two receivers on the outside. First round pick back-to-back years, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager. But overall, though, this was one of the worst teams in the NFC last year. They didn't improve the team that much. I think they're playing towards 2022 when they could have two to three first-round picks. And I would think probably looking at getting another quarterback. So just a young team in transition and in a rebuild. They're in the 15 hole. Yeah, for me, I agree with you. I got the Eagles at 15. I second everything you said. Uh they have two first-round picks of wide receiver. Jalen Hurts has never been known for his throwing. I think part of the reason Jalen was able to help the Eagles uh, when he did last year was he was kind of a spark off the bench for how bad Carson was playing. I don't know if that's something you can necessarily sustain for a whole year. I mean, people have concerns about Lamar, and Lamar's a 10 times better thrower of the football, and he's a 10 times better runner than Jalen is. I mean, you're talking about a much more neutered down version of that even dare I say probably better than what Tim Tebow was but I don't know how much better so I think there's going to be some issues there with just the limitations Uh, so I think the Eagles are going to be pretty bad this year but make a break here for Jalen Hurts Uh, and you know this division is winnable so Jalen could end up it wouldn't shock me necessarily if the Eagles ended up making the playoffs and Jalen kept his job it wouldn't shock me I wouldn't predict it but it wouldn't shock me but Eagles at 15. And then at 14, 14, I got the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, another team I think is going to come in last place. I'm not that big of a believer. Can Sam Darnold 
Now, they do have a little bit of spark with their offensive skills that they can put around him. But this is another uh, uh, information gathering year for the Panthers to see if they want to move forward or be in the quarterback market, which are rumored to be defensively, though. They're really young defensively. I think maybe next year you might see that jump. Uh, took all defensive players two years ago. Spent the first round picking J.C. Horn. It's just a it's just a really young defense that I think in uh, next year could see some improvement. And then you have you know they're obviously better with Christian McCaffrey, but for a full 17 game season, if he misses some games, I think that would hurt the offense a little bit. I think that's an easy safety valve for Darnold to throw to. So I'm gonna have him in the 14th hole. So for me in 14, I'm going to go with a different NFC South team, the Falcons. Uh, I still don't think they've necessarily addressed their defense. I mean, the defense is still going to be bad. To me, Matt Ryan is old. I mean, he's still playing at a relatively high level. Uh, Don't have much faith in the offensive line. I think this is a team that is playing the long haul, too, similarly how the other two teams we mentioned. And I don't think they're really going to be trying to win this year. I wouldn't be shocked if at some point they stop playing Matt Ryan and uh, he gets traded. I think that's what they're going to do. They got Julio out this year. I think they're going to get Matt Ryan out the next year. Obviously, in their room, they were debating whether to get Trey Lance instead of a Pitts, uh, right? So I think this is a team that uh, will be in games because I think they'll be able to score. But I don't see them winning a lot of football teams. A lot of football games, and this isn't a very high-character football team anyway, so I don't see them coming out of a lot of these close games. So I'm going to go with the Falcons at number 14. And then at 13, I have the uh, I have the Chicago Bears at 13. Um, you know, Matt Nagy. I think he's one of one of only two coaches in Bears history with Mike Dicta that have made uh, that have gone at least in the Super Bowl era uh, three straight non-losing seasons. But this year. I think there will be kind of a struggle between short-term and long-term. When do we kind of make the move to Justin Fields? Probably going to keep Andy Dalton in there, maybe a little bit too long. Uh, but whoever you put back there, other than Cody Whitehair, they got a lot of offensive line problems uh, that you know are going to kind of retard the growth of what they want at quarterback. And you have that with a team that went 8-8 eight eight last year to make the playoffs. I do think they make a little bit of a step down from there. So, you know, this kind of, this 9-13 through 13 hole is kind of, all these teams are kind of mushed together in the same amount of win slot, but you know, I, I, I think having, you know, the, uh, the season's tough enough. I think it's going to be tougher with having that that quarterback dilemma, I, I think you know, one loss, one interception, the, the roars are going to be pretty loud to put Justin Fields in, and then you also have the balance of, you know, I think Matt Nagy wants to stick with a veteran quarterback, um, how that plays with his job security, so there's a lot of, I think, bumpy roads on the horizon that they're going to have to deal with. Also with just the just the adversity that comes up in the regular NFL season too. So for me at number 13, I'm going to go with the New York football Giants. 
not necessarily how I think this team's going to finish, which I think is important to state, but uh, right now, still too many unknowns. Daniel Jones, can he play or not? That's a huge question because if Daniel Jones can't give this offense a take a next step, right, uh, then I think they're drawing dead. I think the defense will be able to keep them in some games. I think Joe Judge is a very good head coach in this league. Uh, I think he's a very solid head coach in this league, and I'm a fan of Joe Judge. But I just need to see a little bit more. I need to see the ability. And also Saquon Barkley. We need to see how Saquon Barkley looked coming off of his ACL injury. So I think there's a couple things that I need to see from the Giants before I'm willing to move them up any higher. But but this is a team that could, again, make the playoffs. But uh, for right now, I have them at number 13. Yeah, then at number 12, number 12, I got the Dallas Cowboys. So, you, you know, yes, it, it's just been it's just been so so common this time of year that we talk about the Dallas Cowboys making the Super Bowl, winning the NFC East, but it never happens. So they got to go in to be able to warrant that amount. But, yes, they got the skill guys, um, but there's two huge negatives two huge negatives um, relative to a couple of teams ahead of them is one I think the head coach situation you know Mike McCarthy has as talented as an offense as there is in football but did not uh, but you know can he get the output that you would think out of that along with maybe the team are they going to gravitate more to maybe a louder you know a louder more players coach than Dan Quinn and he got the Jerry Jones situation with them. So I don't like the head coach, and I don't like the defense at all. Defense gave up so many points last year. We're talking about them not doing the basics of running to the football. Uh, defensively, they added Micah Parsons, at inside linebacker. But from a secondary standpoint, it didn't improve the secondary. So I think there's going to be a lot of high-scoring shootouts like that. But you added head coach and defense. Uh, I think that far outweighs the offensive potential they have. So I have them at number 12. And you know, I, I, you know, having them winning the NFC East, it's been said so many times over the years. But I got them in third right now in the pecking order of the NFC East. So for me, at number twelve, I'm gonna go with the football team. They won the division last year, but uh, obviously, the quarterback play still. We got to see more of this team, I believe, right? What did they did they win seven games last year? Or was it eight? Okay. Okay, seven. So seven and nine, like the Seattle Seahawks from like twenty eleven, the Marshawn Lynch Seattle Seahawks with Hasselback in them. Uh, right, the defense, the front seven, it's going to be very good. Uh, I, I, I again, it's kind of like the Giants. The, the only reason I I put the football team ahead of them is because they won the division last year, and I think their defense is better. Uh, I need to see the quarterback play in the offense has to be at a higher level uh, for them to be up higher. It's, it's just kind of that simple for me. Then 11, right ahead of the Cowboys, that 11, I have the Giants. So I think Giants, uh, defensively, they, they were closer at top 10, top 12 defense last year. Really strong secondary. They added a these old Jalari, but I think a big indicator on their season is how, is how they get pressure from the edge. Already getting a lot of pressure inside of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Secondary really good. And then offensively, 
Um, Kenny Galladay out with a hamstring throughout uh, the preseason. So won't be able to get chemistry with Dan, Daniel Jones early on the year. And that really does come down to Daniel Jones. I, I, I think he's got he's got really good skills around him. But it, it, cutting down the turnovers, what, he's, he's committed more turnovers in the last two years than any other NFL quarterback. And then I think there could be some leakage on the offensive line. That's another huge bellwether for them this year is offensive line play. But I like Joe Judge. I like that defense. I think if, if you know, obviously the key is if they could cut down on Daniel Jones' turnovers and just have him deliver the ball quick and on time to the skilled guys around him, I think they're going to be a competitive football team and challenge for a playoff spot. So I got them at 11. So for me at 11, I'm going to go with the team that might shock people, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they started out pretty bad last year, ended up getting it together. I think, you know, Roma's going to fall for the Vikings this year. I think Mike Zimmer's going to get fired. That's a little bit of a prediction. But, uh, you know, in terms of what they're going on, obviously, I don't want to get too much of the whole COVID thing. Kirk Cousins isn't vaccinated. That's been heavily talked about. If you're not vaccinated, you know, there's certain things that could be at play where he might not be playing in certain games. Kellen Mond is a rookie. I, I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, I also think there are some other deficiencies within the team. They did not look good uh, in, in their preseason game that they played. So uh, I'm a little down from what I've seen from that, too, when it comes to the Vikings. So I'm going to put the Vikings at number 11. Then at uh, 10, now, at 10, I got the Atlanta Falcons, a little bit higher than you. Still got them at 10, just outside, you know, outside that playoff limit, uh, third in the NFC South right now. Atlanta Falcons, I think they have a chance to surprise some teams. They were in a lot of close games last year, uh, just came up short. So, you know, you turn around those one-score games a little bit, you know, you could add a, three, a, a plus three to your win total right there. Now you're up to about eight from where they had last year. Um, Arthur Smith comes in. I'm high on Arthur Smith in his office. I think this office really fits got tight end and Kyle Pitts. They can move him around. They got a, a, a big X receiver in that kind of that play-action pass system. You know, Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, a, a, a Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota, Gary Kubiak. They've always force-fed the X receiver. They got one of the best in Calvin Ridley. So I think you got those two receivers, Pitts and Ridley, I think could cause some problems for defense. I think this is a really good situation to be in for Matt Ryan in uh, in a similar system that he excelled in, in 2016. Defensively, they got some speed, but I, I think you know it's another team kind of in this transition phase, like a lot of teams in the NFC in this in this ranking right now, in a transition phase. They got some speed on defense, but I think they lack playmakers at all three levels. So it's going to take about another year to get all those guys. Uh, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, they took over a mess. But I think they could score some points, and that system's always been able to run the ball. So you mix in Mike Davis as well. There could be some games where they look competent, and they put up 30, 30 points and get a win, I think they get a big boost from the coaching standpoint, too. So I got them at number 10. So for me at number 10, we flip-flopped our AFC South teams. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, 
I think they're... You see, the Carolina Panthers are like... Kenny, they're one of the most boring teams in the NFL. I think they're going to be in a lot of games. I, I think they're going to win more close games with the Falcons. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think they're just a grittier, tougher football team. Uh, and, and I think they're going to find a way. And I think it's, a lot of these games aren't going to be pretty. I think they're going to find a way for Sam... I mean, obviously, if Sam Donald reversed a really bad Sam Donald, at least throwing interceptions all over the field, then, you know, you, you have me there. Checkmate. Uh... But I think he's going to be able to be a solid game manager. They're going to play tough physical football. Christian McCaffrey is going to come back. And I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be as good as ever. So I'm going to put the Carolina Panthers at number 10. Okay. But at 9, at nine I got the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, I've just seen this a lot. Is when you have a really strong division, somebody has to come in last Somebody has to take those losses interdivision when you play. And, you know, I think that's going to be the team that comes in fourth in the NFC West is the Cardinals. So you just take a look at that, the last place team. Probably looking at seven to eight wins is probably where that finishes. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think it's possible to have all four teams with a winning record, but this is the worst of the four teams. Um, Defensively, they did improve from last year, but this is a team in a division that has the fourth coach out of four. I think they're just based on how they finished last year, really struggled down the stretch. Kyler Murray banged up, but but there's a lot of question marks with Cliff Kingsbury, and I think he's in a I, I think he's in a big hot seat situation too. On you know, you take a look at his team and how do we get. You know, how do we make the playoffs and win the division? And that's got to be the goal. And is Cliff Kingsbury the right coach for that right now? I think he's the fourth coach in that division. Um, and and it's it's a tough tough schedule to match up. Got that AFC crossover. They got the Cleveland Browns, too. So this is a team, I think, ninth. Again, right in the middle of the pack with a lot of these teams. You know, seven to nine wins. But in that spot, it comes down to late game execution and coaching. But I do have the Cardinals, though, higher than, you know, Falcons, Giants, Cowboys. But I got them at nine, the middle of the road team. For me, at number nine, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. To me, they're the most talented team in the NFC East. They have Dak Prescott, who to me, when Dak is right, Dak is easily a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And before he had that gruesome injury, he was playing well. I know Ezekiel Elliott has deteriorated, but I still think Ezekiel Elliott can be good enough to be five-ish in the NFL in terms of running backs. He can still get you over 1,000 yards. The offensive line is, is not what it once was, but it's not bad. Um, they have weapons all over the place. Obviously, the defense is a concern, but I think they'll figure out a way for the defense to be better, and I think they'll it'll, it won't be as bad. I guess that's what I'll say. I can promise it won't be as bad. And I also think that that ability, what they can do on offense, I think they'll be able to dictate certain things. Uh, and, you know, for all the laughing we do at Mike McCarthy, this man has won a Super Bowl and has had some pretty good success besides last year. So I'm going to put the Dallas Cowboys at 9. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then cut them next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to go through... Eight all the way up to one in our power rankings. Kind of next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk.
back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sim with us as we're doing our NFC Power Ranking. So I'll start it off at number eight. For me, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears. This was a team that got around eight wins last year. They started out like 4-0 or 3-0 or whatever they did. Uh, they're going to have the defense. They're going to be able to run the ball. I think they're going to be able to take their shots. I think no matter who is quarterback, whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, they'll find ways to be competitive. They'll find ways to be in every game. I, I think you kind of compared a little bit maybe to the how I described the Panthers, just a better version of that. So Chicago Bears are number eight. Yeah, I got the Vikings at number eight. I got the Vikings at number eight, you know, depending on if they play Andy Dalton or a rookie quarterback, you know, you could take a look at when they played the Bears and the uh, Lions, three and one in that four-game stretch. But I really like their skills they got around Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's really a seamless transition from Stephon Dix to Justin Jefferson uh, with him and Adam Thielen, Devon Cook. Dalvin Cook controlling the game on the ground. And then last year, Mike Zimmer said that was the worst defense he's had in his, all his years coaching the NFL. It's another year to get better with all their young guys. They added Patrick Peterson, get Daniil Hunter back. But, Darrell, this was a team that gave up over 35 points four times last year, a quarter of their game. But that's what Mike Zimmer was talking about, how bad this defense was. They went 1-3 in those games. The only game they won was Week 17 against the Lions. So if, if so, I'm thinking on Mike Zimmer getting defensive improvement, less than uh, 35 points given up in four games. I think that goes down. That adds to their win total a little bit. And that was a team that went seven and nine last year uh, with a little bit of a better defensive performance. They get into that winning record and right on the cusp of making the playoffs again. Another team. Big question mark there. I think that's the only question mark I would say. Big question mark with the Vikings. Um, it kind of pushes them at that 8-9 win mark right at the cusp of the playoffs. But I really like statistically Kirk Cousins. Uh, maybe a little bit of a fire under him. They grabbed a Kelamon in the second round. But you got Cook, Jefferson, and Thielen. That's an outstanding three-person combo to give the ball to. For me... At number seven, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. I still don't know what they're doing with Taysom Hill or James Kenny. you have any info on that? Uh, right now, no, but... Uh, no, I don't have any info on that, other than uh, the Saints turned it over six times in their first preseason game against Baltimore this past Saturday. Yeah, Ian Book got a lot of time. Uh, Ian Book, at quarterback out of Notre Dame... Yeah, I, I think I can't put the Saints any higher because I don't know what's going on at the QB position. You know, they're solid. They have depth. Uh, a really good roster, uh, which is why I have them at seven. I just can't put them any higher given what we've seen, you know, their, their quarterback play, right? So that's kind of where it ends for me with New Orleans. And also they have the Michael Thomas issue, which, you know, could be a little bit of a toxic environment in the locker room. Yeah, I got the Saints at seven as well. I think Michael Thomas being out for the significant, for uh, at least the first one, maybe. Ted getting retired, and Andrew Sanders isn't back to that. 
I think there's a lot of question marks at the wide receiver spot with the thing. And they don't have Drew Brees to just have him play anymore. So there's a lot of questions at wide receiver. I mean, the good top receivers are going to be Montez Callaway and, and, and Trey Turner Smith. Are those the two guys stretching fear in the defense? I think there's going to be a bigger workload put on Alvin Kamara to get the ball to. You know, probably you have to say they're two best skill guys or they're two running backs. Kamara and Murray, I wonder if they have those two guys on the field. Oh, this is one of the best offensive line of football. I got them number two. Uh, just a complete, solid offensive line. Could be able to put some points up on the there. And then you get defensively. They got a lot of talent defensively. This does remind me a little bit like the 2019 Buccaneers. A lot of talent defensively. Offensive skill guys. Game is going to play quarterback the whole time. I think you have team that wins the game for a head of the game quarterback in two plays. Going to the ball over a lot. I don't know if it's going to be as much as the mid-2019 when he led the NFL interceptions. But that was a Buck team that went 7-9. 7-9 to winning the Super Bowl. So I think you can kind of expect that amount of uh, drop-off from the Saints, which won 11 games. Again, right around that playoff range of 7-8-9 wins with a lot of these teams. And I, I think overall, though, I would have to probably bet on, though, with Sean Payton playing two quarterbacks that I don't think they have their quarterback on the roster for 20 But excellent coach. High-end talent, really good offensive line. I got them at seven, you know, ahead of those teams like the Vikings, Falcons, Giants, Cowboys. So for me at number six, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to have four NFC West teams in my top six. That just lets you know how I feel about the division. Toughest division in football, not even close. Uh, Kyler Murray uh, could potentially have an MVP season. He is special. He is special. They have DeAndre Hopkins on defense now. They, they added J.J. Watt in there. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, I think, is going to keep coming more and more into his own. I, I, I think, you know, while the team is not a physical football team, they're not a very big football team, I think they're going to be an explosive football team. When you have a guy in Kyler Murray, who to me is clearly one of the seven best quarterbacks in this game, and on some days, he might be a top-five quarterback in this game. You're going to be in every single game. And they're going to have games that they sneak away from the 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're not going to go 0-6 against those teams. So uh, that's where I stand with that. I have the Arizona Cardinals at number 6. Then at 6, at six I, got, I got football team at 6. And wow. This and this is, a, yeah, yeah, this is a watching football team that I think is going to surprise a lot of people this year. I am high on the Washington football team. Um, and it starts with their front seven. I think they got the best front seven in football, best defensive line in football. Jared, uh, Jared Allen out of Alabama got that big contract in the offseason. He's in there for the long haul with Montez Sweat, Chase Young getting a big sack in that preseason opener. I think he's going to cause a lot of problems for the defense this year. But in a passing league, I think they're going to cause a lot of problems for teams throwing the ball. If you decide to expose your quarterback to 40 dropbacks a game against his defense, could be some turnovers. And then offensively, I think they've had a huge jump this offseason with their offensive skill positions. They got faster. They got more explosive. Already with Terry McLaurin, but then they added Curtis Samuel, downfield threat, Diami Brown, 
Logan Thomas over the middle, Antonio Gibson in that same offense that produced the numbers for Christian McCaffrey with Ron Rivera. Um, he's he's, he's an underappreciated running back. That's going to come down to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the other team, they had Taylor Heineke, and they really pushed the Super Bowl champs to the limit in that game. They, they were never out of that wild card game. Always within eight points, five points even, but they could never take the lead. But I think the second year of this defense, they were number one in sack rate last year, and then improvement at the skill position for Ryan Fitzpatrick. If they could could just keep them on a tight leash, maybe some 2015 with Jan Gailey, if they could just keep Fitzpatrick on a short leash and limit the turnovers, they don't beat themselves, I think their defense wins that turnover battle a lot more, and I think they win the division, and they can make some serious noise in the playoffs with that defensive line. Any possibility Taylor Heineke is the starter? and Taylor, Because Taylor Heineke, actually, by the way, for what it's worth, he did play well in this preseason game. I don't think he's going to be the starter. I think Fitzpatrick will be the starter for week one. But, you know, I think their season is largely going to be predicated on quarterback turnovers. And if Fitzpatrick turns the ball over in lump sums, which he has done before. Oh, I know. I'm a Bills fan. I know what he can do. Trust me, Kenny. I yeah, know. If they get their court, yeah, yeah. If they get their quarterback though, and not turn the ball over, and maybe that's Tyler Heineke, and they insert him in, I think that could potentially save their season and get wins. But if they don't turn the ball over and win that turnover battle, I think football teams can win a lot of games this year and be a tough out. So for me at number five, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. First name Russell, last name Wilson. I know they had some controversy, but Pete Carroll's a top five coach. Russell Wilson's a top five quarterback. I think that puts them as a top five team in the NFL. Uh, Their defense is going to be stingy. It should be top ten again. They just signed Jamal Adams. He's going to be the do-everything guy for them. I, they have guys like Bobby Wagner on. They're still they're going to be a very good defensive team on offense. You know, it is what it is. You're going to have Russ do his thing with his magic. They're going to take their shots with DK Metcalf. I think this is going to be a good team, and they're the fifth best team in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, I got Seattle at five as well. I think a big move in the offseason was hiring Rams offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, running more of a play action, misdirection offense. If they if, if, if they could do that, and I think why I have the third in the NFC West, though, but fifth overall, is, is a lot of times they want to pound the ball a lot with Pete Carroll. He gets his nose into the offense a little bit too much. I think if they really do free reign to Shane Waldron, running that Rams offense. You get the jet motion. You get the play-action passing. Pepper that in with two stud receivers on each side. If you get Russell Wilson in that offense exclusively, which is very similar to, like, a Sean McVay offense, a Packers offense, you know, this is an excellent spot for his career, and he can put up a career year. And if he does that, they're going to be winning a lot of games um, like that. I have fifth overall because I, I, I like the roster, the full rosters of San Francisco and Los Angeles better, though. And I think the big question here is how much reign do they give the offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, to run his system? Uh, 
you know, it started off pretty good last year for Russell Wilson. A couple years ago, with Brian Schottenheimer, too. But then they start getting into that ground and pound more instead of letting, you know, Wilson run that offense. Um, but they could give free reign to Wilson, a new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron. I think they could go, you know, all the way up to number two in the NFC. But right now, I got them at fifth because of that. And like I said, I think they got a. I I don't think their roster is as complete as a couple of teams ahead of them in the NFC West, though. So for me, at number four, I'm gonna go with the LA Rams. Uh, Matthew Stafford should leave a increased bump to this offense. I I think obviously they have guys like Cooper Cup uh, and Robert Woods. I think I think the offense is gonna be special. I think Matthew Stafford's a top 10 talent. His physical ability to extend the field, I think, is going to be something Sean McVay is going to salivate at. Obviously, their defense, they got guys like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on there. They're going to be good. They're going to be flying around. They were the number one defense in the NFL last year for a reason. Uh, they're, they're going to be a good team, and they're going to be a tough out. So, L.A. Rams at number four. Yeah, I got the Rams as well at number four. Um, you know, I think they get a bump at quarterback with Matt Stafford, but I don't know how how big of a jump that is from Jared Goff. I take a look at when you have Jared Goff, um, 2018, 2019, when he was, you know, 35 touchdowns, six, uh, six eight interceptions. You know, they're a 13-3 and three football team. So, you know, I think as a uh, – a question mark on how how much better is Stafford over golf? And, you know, can that result to multiple playoff wins? They went to the second round of playoffs last year in the divisional round. So they don't get to the NFC Championship. They ended up getting worse with Matt Stafford. But um, I'm a believer in Sean McVay. I think this is going to be the best quarterback that he's had in his career um, so far as head coach of the Rams. Defensively, they got Ramsey and Donald. However, they did lose two two key pieces of that secondary from last year. And due to uh, trading multiple first-round picks in the future, their their depth uh, could be strained if, you know, you take a look at their top five, six guys, their cap hits, you know, a Donald, a Stafford, the Woods and Cup, Ramsey. If any of those guys go down, there is a drop-off in their depth. But overall, though, take a look at a team that you know perennial playoff team perennial playoff uh perennial double digit win team you know i think it's been three out of four years of sean mcvay that's very impressive that longevity in the nfl i think they keep it up and i know i know some that have them as the top team in that division um but i got them steady at four i think that's a good spot for them so at number three, this is probably going to shock you because uh, I think you said in the beginning of this, Kenny, that there were two clear number twos, but I think I'm going to buck that trend. At number three, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think I have Green Bay at three for a couple of reasons. Obviously, A-Rod just got there, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's been having his issues with Green Bay. I think Green Bay, I still think they have some issues that they need to address. I think they still need a solid number two wide receiver. I don't know if Cobb and Vequez Stanley get it done there. Uh, I think the defensive line, I still think they need to find a way to stop the run better. Uh, And I think maybe the upper in town is still an issue. 
Uh, and I don't necessarily know how much better they've gotten. Uh, I know Aaron Rodgers is a year older, and he's kind of pissed off. So I'm going to go with the Packers at number three. Okay, and then at number three, I'm going to go with uh, San Francisco. And, you know, this is a team fully healthy, went to the Super Bowl two years ago, but I look at all three teams in the NFC West, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, Rams, Seattle, really similar. However, the uh, 49ers were third in that division last year, so they play a third place schedule so you know they got teams like Houston uh, Minnesota they get they get uh, you know an easy matchup in the NFC East so I think they're going to be able to stockpile a lot of wins Um, getting that defense back that was a defense that actually I think you know despite all their injuries last year with Robert Sala they 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 finished top 10 so you know, you get Nick Bosa back, you get the defensive line back, uh, Kittle back. It's just it's just a huge injection of talent from all their injuries last year. And you get Jimmy Garoppolo back. And Jimmy Garoppolo, well, he's like 27 and 8 as a starter in San Francisco. Um, but if Jimmy Garoppolo were to get hurt this year, I think they got a, a potential long-term starter in Trey Lance that they didn't have in the past where their season was essentially over um, when Garoppolo got hurt. So I think there's a clear hierarchy with with Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco knowing that number one is Garoppolo. There's no QB controversy. Two is Trey Lance. And then Trey Lance does come into the starting lineup. It will be at the right time. But I like Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. That's why I'm a believer in them, and I got them you know, along with that third place schedule, having the easiest schedule of those NFC West teams, got them winning the division, and then I got them in the three hole right now in the NFC. So here's what I'm I'm gonna go next. Uh, and I'm gonna talk about the team you were just talking about, the Niners. I'm a little bit higher on the Niners than you, but uh I think they're better than the Packers, just at every roster spot basically besides quarterback and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to start the whole year. I think we're going to see the Niners from a couple of years ago when they made the Super Bowl. Nick Bosa's coming back. I think the rushing attack is going to be stout. Uh, the, the, the defense, they're, they're completing every which way. The quarterback just has can't just F it up. They're completing every which way. And also, when they did play Green Bay in the NFC Championship game, we know what they did to Green Bay. They embarrassed them and they kind of shred them up. Uh, so I think if all things are equal, I don't know if Green Bay is better than San Francisco, so I'm going to go with San Francisco at number two. Yeah, looking at their schedule, like they, like I said, they get they got a, you know, where 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 they finish in their division. So so they end up playing Philadelphia out of the NFC East. So you know their first two games, you know they got Detroit and Philadelphia off the bat, get off to a better start than last year. I think they have to really propel them again into being you know 12, 13 win team. I'm, I'm high on them like you. You know, I like them over their win total as well. I think it would be a tough out. We got Green Bay at number two. So we flip-flopped the two and three spot. But Green Bay Packers, uh, I thought they were the second-best team in the NFC last year, the NFC Championship. Got them right back at that same spot. You know, you go off the game on the field, you leave the Aaron Rodgers off-field situation behind, 
got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL during the best receiver in the NFL. I think a big, a big key for them this year. They lost Jamal Williams, so they got Aaron Jones, and then they got a bruiser and A.J. Dillon, a one-two punch. That offensive line, I think, is top five as well. So you add all that and just how tough it is to take out Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I think relatively speaking, they stayed, you know, they stayed the same in the offseason from where they were, but where they were, they were the, you know, final four team and second in the NFC. So I got them right back on that two line again. And, you know, this has been an offense with Matt LaFleur that Aaron Rodgers has excelled in. He's done a, he put up career numbers and won an MVP off that. Um, so he's, you know, still stays in that same offense again. And I think, you know, they're going to be right back, right back to where they were. You know, that number two line, NFC championship winner potentially. So I got them solid at number two. And they're not far behind us. You had them at three. For me, a number one, and you could expunge on this more, Kenny. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to be the champs, you have to beat the champs. The road to the Super Bowl goes through Tampa Bay. Uh, with that man, number 12, who's the greatest player to ever play the game of football, Bruce Arians and his fiery personality. They got weapons of galore. They brought everybody back. They only added with getting guys late in the first round, like a Joe Tyron, who maybe, who could be a hit or miss and who can add. Uh, This team really has no weaknesses. They are ready to go. And the only thing that can set this team back is if Tom Brady finally falls off that cliff, and I don't think that's going to happen. So they start at number one, and they will be number one until proven otherwise. Yeah, I got them number one as well. And, you know, you combine the rankings together. I got them at uh, starting the year at number one in the NFL along with the NFC. Um, you know, elaborating on what you said, though, uh, Tampa is one of the few teams in the uh, Super Bowl air that they were able to keep their roster together winning a Super Bowl. A lot of those free agents that win Super Bowls, they get exposed to the playoffs, teams see them, they try to plug them into their system, and they overpay for them. Uh, Tampa was able to keep all 22 starters together, so they were truly running it back. They keep they keep the head coach, Bruce Arians, did not retire. They keep their coordinators, and they were able to find a way around the salary cap to keep all 22 starters that, that won the Super Bowl. So there is no need to move them off this top, um, top of the NFL either until they get beat. Um, it's just a really impressive job by general manager Jason Light to find a way to keep their full starting 22 together. They got some depth, too, on defense if guys go down. Um, and they're, they're, they're really all in right now. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll figure out their one-year contracts and, and life after Tom Brady when the time comes. But this is a team that's all in right now. Uh, pretty self-explanatory, uh, I think. You know, most people would have Tampa at one or two in power ratings, but I got them number one in the NFC right now, like you said. Um, until they get beat, they they uh, definitely deserve that number one spot. Well, Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. We got that barbershop NFL preview, that mega preview that we will do again. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the podcast. Always appreciate it when Kenny can come on. And we're gearing up towards football season, like I've been saying. Uh, and it's it's going to be fun. We're going to start having Kenny on every uh, Sunday night, recording Sunday night after all these games. Uh, and then obviously posting the podcast on Monday. And that's all going to be starting week one of the NFL season. But before that, me and Kenny, we're still going to do uh, our NFL predictions uh, extravaganza. Preview every division. I think we'll do MVPs and stuff like that. Give our playoff teams and wild cards. Division winners. And before that, also before that episode, probably going to do that uh, like the weekend before the regular season. Before that, though, we're going to do a top three of every position in the NFL. Top three. So, uh, no, top three of uh, the teams. Teams with the best positions. So we're going to do that. That should be fun. And uh, I'll add in my teams who have the worst position groups, maybe just for a little bit of fun. I'm thinking about how I'm going to do that. But Kenny will have all that, and it's going to be fun. And we should be doing that next week. Not for sure. It's not confirmed yet, but next week. Uh, So stay on the lookout for that. If you want to know which teams have the best rooms in the NFL, which team has the best wide receiver room, which team has the best running back room, quarterback room, linebacker room, edge rusher room, safety room. Kenny will be breaking all that down. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 319th episode, in fact, of Barbershop Sports Talk.